I think I can't remember if it was my when my sister was still pregnant or right after she had the baby. She's chilling out watching Netflix, and she sends me a picture of a screenshot of a Marvel movie, and she's like, look what I'm watching. And I'm like, wait, what is that? And I'm trying to figure out what image it is, because it was kind of an obscure... It was right from the opening of Civil War, like when Bucky's still frozen. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Taking the shot like that out of context, I'm like, what the hell are you watching? And then she sent me another picture that was very clearly Captain America Civil War, and I was like, oh, okay, Civil War, nice. Did you see all the other stuff? No. I'm like, wait, no, no, <laughs> stop the movie right now. You... you <laughs> You're not going to get it. It doesn't she, hold that emotional weight if you don't watch the other ones. So She's going into, like, chapter, like, 14 or 15, just cold. Yeah. Well, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, did you watch any of the other ones? Well, I think I watched some of them. I vaguely remember them. It's like, no, 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 no. We, we have to correct this. It is now my mission to have you watch these correctly. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Brian Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? And Josh Dorch. Hello, everybody. Good to be back. So we are trying to play a bit of catch up with this episode. Uh, it's been a long time coming. We are finally going to talk about Stranger Things Season 2. Uh, I know when this... I think I finished it the weekend this came out, so I had to wait a little bit for other people to catch up before I think Bradley and I were the only two that I think finished it that weekend, at least from the group that does the podcast, at least that I had talked to. It seemed like everybody else either hadn't started or hadn't finished it yet. So we we're trying to put this in the back pocket at the time. Um, and then of course we kept getting distracted with other stuff to talk about. So this kept getting pushed, pushed back and pushed back. So finally we've uh, rounded out the guest list to include a few more people that have caught up and finished the show. Uh, so we're only roughly a month and a half late. Uh, talking about the show um we were sort of talking before uh we started recording josh how long ago did you finish season two uh the the first weekend of november i crunched out the last like five episodes actually while i was on an amtrak train going to philadelphia okay so you're about a month removed uh andy when did you finish season two i watched the entirety of it over thanksgiving weekend was it well, one day binge or was it a few days? No, it was a few days. Okay. Yeah, I think that's usually, that's what I, I think it took me probably th- three days. I think it was, I started real hard Friday night and I finished finally the Sunday night, the weekend it started. Uh, and I don't even know if I, I might've watched only one episode Sunday. So it was a lot on Friday and Sunday or one episode Saturday of that weekend. Sorry. So I think it, I did like five Friday night with a friend and then Sunday finished it. But yeah, it was, so it's been like, I don't know what, a month and a half for me. Cause it was the end of October when it came out. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been a while. So I'm a little, I'm a little rusty on some of these details. These guys might have to help, help me flesh this out a little bit more if I'm a little rusty. Um, Never fear, Brian. <laughs> that's what I get you guys along for to carry me. <laughs> uh, so we're going to treat this, I think, sort of like we treat most of our movie reviews. We'll try to talk generally about this series, about the second season, what we thought, before going into spoilers. So, just to start it generally, uh, between the two of you guys, what are some of your overall impressions of Season 2? 
After you, sir. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, was unsure if I was going to be as um, emotionally involved in season two as I was in season one. Um, but uh, I definitely was. Uh, I think it actually rivaled season one. Um, yeah. So that's definitely good. Uh, they upped the stakes, which I didn't think was possible after watching <laughs> season one. Yeah. But uh, they definitely did. Um, I thought all the actors, especially the young actors, did a very good job again. Yeah. Um, yeah, they picked a good good crew for that show. Yeah, and it, it's it's tough to to have shows grow while the actors are growing as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So, good point. So, I mean, it, it could still go sour, I guess, in season three. <laughs> but so far, season two is still pretty good. Um, I think just speaking to the ages of the kids, I thought that was something I read that, like, next season they're expecting to maybe do some sort of a time jump between season two and season three like maybe a year or two just Um, because the kid actors are are growing they would have to yeah so Um, i don't know how big of a time jump it will be but i think that's the plan going forward i uh i enjoyed the introduction of the new characters yeah they had a yeah we'll, we'll talk generally about some of those guys before before we get into the specifics but yeah there was a lot of new guys that i really really enjoyed in this cast right and everybody overall like real especially the new people really melded in with the rest of what was happening um without it seeming forced without it seeming like okay we're gonna jam new characters in because that's what you need to do to make things continue to seem interesting because that's obviously like we're going for you know somewhat realism here and that's what would happen in real life you meet new people different things happen in your life um but it didn't seem like they were trying to, you know, like cousin Oliver it and just <laughs> fit something in there just for the sake of it. Like everybody felt like they 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 created a place for them. They weren't just there. It, it, it felt good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm on the same page as Andy. I think this definitely rivaled season one. I'm still unsure which season I like better. I don't know if I can make a ruling because they're so damn close. Yeah, it's tough to call, right? Um, but yeah, it was the stakes were higher. Everything was you know bigger, badder this time around. Um, if obviously, if you like season one, you're probably you've already finished season two. I'm sure by now. There's yeah. there's no reason to wait to watch this, right? Um, but if for some reason you're late to the party and you watch season one and are hesitant of season two for whatever reason, definitely watch season two because it's it's awesome too. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'd say the the thing that I, I thought that they were really successful with is the they, they, they found a way to make you just as engaged and just as taken with the characters, just as taken with the conflict and the plot and like what the potential resolution was going to be and what the what the costs to reach that resolution needed to be um yeah. i don't know about you guys like when you discovered the first season i remember seeing advertisements for maybe like two or three weeks just like on netflix's website when i would sign in like you know new original programming releasing june whatever right th- this stranger things show i just watched the first episode on a whim like a week after it was put online and 
some Facebook friends had watched a few episodes and were saying, oh, this is really cool. Everyone, you know, hey, give it a chance. This is really different. And that was the, I think it was such a sleeper hit for us all. Um, like it wasn't like another like Marvel show coming, right? Right, right. It, it was just original programming that they had made and maybe they had done some test audiences and maybe they got some good feedback, but I'd be very surprised if they realized how hard and how well this was going to hit. Yeah, it was definitely like lightning how quickly that it like word of mouth spread this show so oh, yeah. quickly. Yeah. Because I don't even remember seeing ads. I, I remember it being around uh, San Diego Comic-Con weekend. And I don't know how long before that weekend it premiered on Netflix. Um, I'd say within... Because San Diego is like mid-July, right? Yeah, somewhere usually around there. I'd say maybe three weeks to a month at the absolute most. Okay. So I was maybe a little bit later to the party there. But I remember uh, Zach Levi always does this thing, or at least before last year he would do it a couple he did it a couple years in a row but he had his own like offshoot of comic-con called nerd hq where he would have panels and discussions with celebrity guests to come on and they would stream all that live on the internet so if you weren't there you could just watch the panels with these celebrities and watch them field questions and stuff he hosts the event and i was watching a lot of those that weekend and pretty much every time before a celebrity guest came out or even during discussions with celebrity guests he was hyping that show so hard <laughs> like I guess he had finished it and just wanted people to know it's out there and it's really awesome. And the fact that he kept saying it over and over again, guys, watch Stranger Things. I finally just started researching a little bit. I think I started hearing a little bit more on social media at that time about it and finally just decided to check it out and was instantly hooked. And then that's when I had to tell everybody that I knew, like, if you haven't watched this, you need to fucking watch this right now. <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing, like you said, sort of like lightning in a bottle as well with it and the the fact that they i think they did a great job at uh I, just speaking for myself at least i mean they kept me just as engaged they kept me just as curious and interested in just wanting to know what's going to happen in the next scene what's going to happen in the next episode um it, they very easily could have you know hit a big pothole in trying to write the next chapter yeah and like totally lost people and that's part of the reason I think Netflix maybe works as well as they do, because I don't think they're, since they're not beholden to, okay, uh, the fall, the TV season is over in May, we need something ready for the fall, so get stuff ready for September, you have, you know, three or four months to get a story arc ready for the yeah. season. They let these guys take the time to craft a story, and just, you know, because it wasn't, it, it took, what, a year and a half-ish, probably? Uh, almost. I mean, it was about 16 months. Okay. Yeah, so that that's obviously more time they would have gotten in a traditional TV schedule to be able to craft the story. And then it basically plays out like a eight or nine hour movie. And I it's I think the show's a lot better for it. Yeah, you very know, much. Testament to these guys just to be able to craft a story that, like, I really like stories that, that build like that. Like, sometimes... It it runs the risk of taking a slow start and then not having people engaged, but they I don't know how to describe it, but they craft the story so well enough that you're still engaged in those first couple of, first couple episodes, even though it doesn't really feel like a lot is happening. It's a lot of setup, and then by the time you get to the middle and the the end is always just spectacular. Whatever they try to do, 
but the, yeah, there's so much along the way that just hooks you and keeps you going and it constantly builds to those last couple episodes. Those, I think it was like, it was late Sunday night when I finished, but I, I was like, I had two episodes left. It was like nearing one o'clock in the morning. I had to work <laughs> the next day and I'm like, I'm just going to watch one and then I'll, I'll get the other one later. And I finished the second to last oh, one. I was like, nope, I can't. Crap. That you, has to. You were lying to yourself. Yeah. I, I thought I'd be the stronger man for it, but nope, I was just dead tired the next day and sucked it up. Um, all right, so let's try to talk generally about some of these new characters that was that joined the cast. So I'll just speed fire through the the five that I picked out that were new to the cast. We have Sean Astin's Bob, uh, Sadie Sink, I think is her name, for Max... Um, Dacry Montgomery, the Red Ranger himself, was Billy. Yep. Uh, Paul Reiser joins as Dr. Sam Owens, and I'm not going to say this is a spoiler, I guess, because she's in the, the opening of the freaking show. Uh, Lin- Lin- I don't even know how to say her name. Linnea Berthelson? Berthels- I probably butchered her name real bad, but she's Callie. Uh, maybe we won't talk about her significance yet. We could talk about that in spoilers, but uh, any one of those five that you guys want to touch on? I really enjoyed Sean Astin and Paul Reiser. Yes. I haven't seen Paul Reiser regularly in something probably since, what, like the Mad About You days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I forgot how much he's kind of awesome. (laughs) Yeah. He's just Uh, real casual about everything. Like, he plays it so well. Yeah. I think he's he's one of those actors that I, I kind of forgot. Like, I don't think he gets enough credit for how smooth he's able to be and how just like effortless and natural he's able to be and it was like such a contrast to me after going from like dr brenner's bedside manner to then paul reiser's bedside manner and you're like this Mm -hmm. dude i like this guy already (laughs) yeah yeah i thought he fit real well and at first i thought that sean astin's character bob was like, I felt, at first, like, the maybe first two episodes, I was like, eh, he kind of feels awkward among among everybody else. Um, but as the show went on, I was like, oh, this is his, this is his place. Like, this is where he fits in. This is the space that he, you know, occupies. And, um... Well, even the awkwardness I think it was, good... was I, th- I feel like it was sort of intentional. Like, with him just trying to fit in as part of the family and, and get used to that dynamic, like... I, I feel like his character was awkward. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you know, mean it in in in, in a different way, but it, it was like it didn't. I don't know. It didn't feel like it gelled well okay. at, for, at at first. Um, but then, like maybe, like I said, yeah. In in retrospect, you know, by the end, maybe, you know, maybe that was part of it. Maybe it was supposed to seem like he was always like one degree, you know, one half degree removed. Right, okay. Uh, anything for Max? That was a little redhead girl that they... <laughs> Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah, that was the title of the first episode, wasn't it? I... Mad Max? Yeah. I think so. You can take I one thought she uh, fit in with the uh, the kids pretty well, actually. I mean, it was sort of a tough puzzle to make there for a while just because they were they were um resistant to it yeah. um uh, but yeah um no i thought she did a, a pretty damn good job 
Yeah, I thought she was a lot of fun. I'm I'm hoping we see more of her next season that she sticks around. I think actually one of the standouts, and I didn't even think to put her on the list, was freaking Lucas's sister, younger sister. Yeah, <laughs> I loved most of her scenes. <laughs> Everything she did was freaking hysterical. She just busted his balls all the time. <laughs> like she was such a good. She, she wasn't even a brat, but she was just a great just little a sister. smart ass. Yeah, like a little smart ass. And you can tell she's probably not that way with everybody, but this is her brother. He's a couple years older than her. He's only like thirteen. She's gonna make fun of him for still playing with toys. She's gonna make fun <laughs> of him for his dumb friends, and it it fits so well. Yeah. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Dakery Montgomery's Billy, so, who I'll, I'll going from someone who was who was who was pretty likable in Power Rangers, and then to play yeah. such an asshat in this show, <laughs> he did a good job. Yeah, that's that's kudos to his acting because I think he did can just the, the complete polar opposite from what I remember seeing him early in the year in Power Rangers to this. Yeah, I I thought he did a very good job. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'd say uh, he felt. To me, though, like the one who most um didn't quite have an overall place, yeah, uh, great that he was he was very much removed from pretty much everybody except his sister. He really shared very little to zero screen time with everybody else, right. If they hadn't removed him, we probably wouldn't have felt a big difference, I think uh, now, I don't know if uh you guys watched any of this stuff, but they. Netflix has their Stranger Things after show. Yeah, I beyond, saw that. I did not thing, yeah. watch it though. Did you guys watch any of those or no? no? Okay. Um, I did finish watching all those after the the season because at that point I just wanted more Stranger Things stuff. Uh, but they have interviews with like the Duffer Brothers and and talk about creative decisions on the show and stuff like that. So their reasoning for Billy was they they were. Sure that the like they were gonna deal with monsters and stuff like that, but they wanted some sort of human antagonist for the show. Okay. Uh season one was kind of Steve, and then Steve came around by the end. Yeah. And now Steve's kind of a good guy. So Steve's they needed awesome. they needed some asshat bully high school jerk to play that role in this one, who seemed irrede- irredeemable, and that was sort of where they got Billy from. That makes sense. That um, sorry, go, did you have something else to add? I'll say when we go more specific, I would say that like the arc of his character pretty much fit that exactly. Yeah. Uh, last one is Callie, who opens the season in Pittsburgh. Um, I do not wait. I do not remember who this character is. This she is goes by Eleven's sister. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Quote unquote sister. Yeah, which I don't know how much we can or should talk about now, because I don't know how much that is a spoiler, but, I mean, you're obviously opening the season with her using some sort of powers. Yeah, did you say she they they shot the opening scene in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Well, it was set in Pittsburgh. It was set in as, Pittsburgh. As far as, I don't know if it was filmed there or not. Yeah, I don't think... It was uh, set, yeah. that is right, that is right, okay. Which has no bearing on the rest of the season. No, no, not at all. But when it opens and you're like, Pittsburgh, you're like, oh shit, what's happening in Pittsburgh? And then it just goes away and they never talk about it ever yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, you are right. My apologies. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, can we talk generally about her, even though she doesn't really show up until later in the season? I I would say that by the end, she 
actually felt pretty inconsequential. But I'm hoping that it comes back around in Season 3 to drive more of Eleven's arc. Yeah. Like, I think it. If she had a specific point later in the season, and I feel like maybe she's there just to set up further storylines later on. Well, I feel like if Eleven hadn't run into her, she wouldn't have been able to do what she did. True. Yeah, yeah that, that's my thing. I think, like, it, it felt more like a subplot, but it was just used as, like, a, a, a plot device to be able to do something else in the show, i.e. Eleven figures out, you know, is able to do something that she might not have otherwise been. But the 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 fact that, like, all the backstory surrounding this character, her relation to Eleven, all that stuff, really, in the end, to me, it felt very inconsequential because they just kind of dropped it. Like, they just went away when they were done with the purpose that they served for the right. rest of the story. So I'm hoping there's more importance and more uh, not that it's like the driving force with what happens goes going forward but it, it it is more substantial to the rest of like the main plot next season yeah you gotta think that they're gonna bring her back for season three right yeah they wouldn't just i would think they wouldn't just dangle that and then take it away from us and never give it again right uh, we hope. I mean, I tr- mm-hmm. I trust these guys enough that I think they craft good stories. So I don't yeah. think they've so far between two seasons they haven't set up much that hasn't paid off later. Good so point. I I do trust them to have a point with her at some point. And I'm pretty sure like season three is confirmed. If it like I'm I'm almost positive our Netflix already said that's coming. I don't know when, but it's yeah. coming. Well, they'd be idiots not to, of course. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I can't remember if, if they ever talked about how long this this series would go. Like, I don't think it's going to go past five seasons. It would, yeah, it'd be difficult to do that long. I think. Or I per, think the past, Duffers, past that long. I think. I think even some of that beyond Stranger Things episodes. I think the Duffers had said like they have an end in mind. It just depends how long they want to take to get there. Okay. So it could be four seasons. It could be five seasons. We'll see how they pad it out. And what kind of stories they get to tell, but that that seems to be generally what I think what they're thinking about. Um, anything else generally to touch on? Otherwise, I think it's a good time to probably get to some spoilers. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, so this is your spoiler warning. We're gonna get to the spoiler section. If you haven't seen the second season of Stranger Things, you can pause us now. Come back to us after you're all cut up. Uh, final warning for spoilers for Stranger Things season two. Wee wee spoiler. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Spoiler! You know, something like that. Alright, so we are into spoiler territory. Uh, we're, is there anything specific you guys want to start with, or do you just want to start with... Like, the first question I was going to ask is, what are some of your biggest questions after finishing Season 2? I'd say my biggest is, can we focus next time on a main... I guess antagonist is the only word that's going to fit, but... A main a main conflict that doesn't center around Will. Yeah, yeah, you got to feel for that kid. He always some, has so much shit happen to him over the course of these first two seasons. Um, Should be mean, somebody else going through hell. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I I get it. Ele- it, it Eleven it, it, didn't it, go through hell. Well, that you know, she she has her own shit, dude. But like, as out of the four or five other kids, it seems like it's all Will. 
And I mean, I, I, like I say, it, it was it was an easy thread to pull from from the first season to continue it in. It, I think it, it's just gonna it's gonna stick out like a sore thumb and be very awkward if the driving force between like the big main problem it, for a third time is that like some demonic interdimensional monster creature something is screwing with this kid again. Well, I mean, at the same time, maybe that's just, maybe he's destined to be that. Uh, okay. And I'll, I'll give you that. So I, but I, if that were to occur and they don't really lay the, like some obvious seeds for that in a third season and it doesn't really pay off like till the very end and you find out something in like the last four episodes of the whole series, I, I don't think that'd be a great way to go, but if there's something more there that they lay the foundation for in season three, I could be okay with that. Because, I mean, what, he's probably the only one that's been over in the Upside Down probably the longest out of everybody and survived. Right. He's now been possessed by one of those demons from the Upside Down, so he obviously has some sort of connection to that place that no one else does. So if that big shadow monster thing tries to come back again, it seems like Will would almost be the gateway. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I, just I wouldn't mind something here. fresh. Cuz I I know after season 1 like I predicted that I figured Will was going to turn into another demigorgon. Demigorgon. Just from him being over there, him coughing up some slugs, I was like, "Oh, nope, he's going to be it. He's going to be the bad guy." And that didn't happen in this one. So all my theories could end up being shit. It's <laughs> completely, completely possible. Uh, Andy, any questions that you uh, want to try to hash out? Um. Oh yeah. Uh, are we're gonna see? Um, oh, what's his face again? Doctor Brenner. Yep. I was surprised he wasn't. In, and I'm not I'm not counting the like hallucination that Eleven has. I'm surprised he didn't actually play a role in this. Like that that character was not around. I thought he was gonna be much more involved in in kind of kind of like that like the upside down and and the monsters are are the kids' antagonist. I thought that he was going to kind of be Eleven's biggest problem the whole season. Yeah, are we I mean that hallucination that she has, he tells her in that in that thing that basically he's alive. So is that just her fears playing on her like from from what cuz that was like eight's powers, right? Was yep. she was she would make yeah, people eight. hallucinate and stuff like that. Eight put that in her head, but I think so, eight told him what to say to her, right? Like that she creates all of that, you know, she right. doesn't just so that's what I mean. I don't know how much you can take his lines of dialogue there, like as fact. Like if if her hallucination is saying like you didn't come look for me even though I might be alive, does that mean he's actually alive, or is that Eleven's fear that he's alive? Um, I think you see, you see where I'm maybe, going. I I do, and maybe that's why they wrote the line that way because maybe it's going to turn out that he is alive, but it just happened to be her fear because she both saw him as a father figure because she didn't know any better. Um, but also he ended up being, you know, her tormentor. So it could be one well. and the same. He is alive and it is her worst fear coming true. Yes. 
I got you. Okay. I, th- I actually think that might play out better. And if he is alive, I would just, I would assume they're saving him for something like that. Because they definitely... Now might be a good time to talk about... What What did you guys think about the uh, seemingly very divisive seventh episode where Eleven goes off by her on her own, runs into eight, and seems to fall into the Warriors movie? <laughs> right. Um, That was a weird little departure. Yeah, I kind of... Ex- I was expecting them to go to a uh, school for gifted youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I've seen a lot of illusions, and this was something I was sort of going to bring up later, so I don't want to get too sidetracked with it, since we're, we're sort of talking about another question I was trying to field. But uh, there seems to be internet theories and a lot of comparisons to Eleven almost playing out like Jean Grey in The Phoenix, where she is destined to go dark as this power overcomes mm. her. Like, there, there's apparently mm. a lot of visually... And even even something as far back as, and I can't remember what exactly it was or what, but the first episode of season one, Will and Dustin are racing back to their houses. Dustin says, like, if you beat me, you can have one of my comics. And Will calls out an X-Men number that apparently that specific comic issue in the story could foreshadow something later with, I think, like Jean Grey and Eleven, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So they may have been planting these seeds for a while. That's definitely one way to go. Wouldn't be super surprising. That doesn't necessarily mean it wouldn't still be cool and entertaining. Because I just some of the some of the lines of dialogue from what I try to remember uh, with Eleven, like all like channeling her anger to make herself stronger. All that stuff, I feel like, is going to lead her down a path where she is going to become the antagonist. Where it's like she snaps or can't control it anymore. Right. Or... Something like that where they have to stop her or... or I don't see that being like that's where the season ends, but like in one of these middle seasons before the final season, I could see something yeah. like that happening. I could see it. So, not to like sidetrack off of that episode, but Andy's <laughs> comment about X Men made me think of that. Think of that. Yeah. Um, what was your guys? I don't know if if you because because I definitely can. Can you remember what like one particular and like any particular quote or line or or joke or anything out of out of season two? Like, if you could pick one that's your favorite, if you recall. One, what would it be? Uh, Anything that really stuck with you? A lot of Dustin stuff, I feel like, comes to mind. And the first <laughs> one that pops to my head <laughs> is when he goes to Mike's house looking for uh-huh. Mike. And the dad answers the door, tries to get information <laughs> from the dad. The dad tells nothing his him nothing interesting and basically tells him, you're worthless, you're a waste of my time, and walks away. Yeah. And he leans out like language, and then just goes back inside the house. That's the moment that stands out to me. That that is my second favorite. Andy, do you <laughs> have one? He keeps calling the um, dart and all those uh, fledgling demogorgons demodogs, and kept, <laughs> keeps keeps. Um, and he keeps correcting uh, everybody. He keeps correcting everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think my hands down. I because I was on the train when I was watching the episode it's in i almost lost my crap 
Um, it's the episode when, um, Jonathan and Mike's sister go to see the conspiracy guy, and they're at his uh, place. What not? And then the next morning, <laughs> the next morning after they the spoilers, they hook up, <laughs> and the guy says to Jonathan, just opens a conversation with. So, Jonathan, how was the pullout? <laughs> I was so, not expecting them to go that... I mean, it, obviously, it wasn't horribly crass or crude or anything. It was actually really clever, I thought. But I did not think they would use other characters uh, around those two to draw such attention to it. Yeah. And, yeah, I didn't see that coming at all. I loved that line. <laughs> Yeah, so, that whole story uh, arc, though, really really was um, very um, anticlimactic for me. Like, they okay. were supposed to send all this evidence to the newspapers and stuff, but we never saw any actual um, end to that. They said that they sent it all away, he sent them out, and then, like, he shows up to watch them go out of the thing, and that's that's all we see from him after that. That's all we see from the media. Nothing. We don't see well, any any end play for that. I I thought that one of the main reasons that the facility was getting shut down was because of, like, yes, the events that happened there, but it got sort of legitimized by the recording, all the copies of the recording that they had sent, and the, the combination of the two is what led to the shutdown of the facility. That's what I took it as. Yeah, I think I'm sort of with Josh that 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 was just cause and effect of getting that recording out there that it it did affect closing the lab and getting all those people kicked out. I guess I just wish they would have connected those dots a little better. Yeah, I I can see that because obviously from from the events that play out with like the Demogorgon infestation, um, it would have made complete sense that the place shut down anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like the 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 causation between the news reports or the publicity and the closure wasn't as strong as as it could have been. Well, the other thing is like where the demigorgon didn't really like I don't feel like that was public knowledge for stuff. Even even all the outbreak of the demi dogs and everything in this one, like there wasn't a lot of people that saw that kind of stuff, and the people that did, they covered that up. So it's not like. Even if those things got out, and that yeah, that seemed like a big fucking deal for everybody that we saw on the show, but they're not new to this stuff. The general public still has no idea what the hell's going on, which means they wouldn't call for like a mass closure of that facility. Sure, I, I think I, I took it somewhat as their like maybe maybe the public didn't know what had happened there the night of all the creatures being out, but at least with. Like, I'm sure there were, like, sirens going off or things happening near the compound and just all the publicity together of, like, oh, an incident at the research lab. And like it just, like, got too much public heat from everything combined. Yeah, I guess they didn't really, like, even the stuff that they leaked out with the tapes, like, I guess that wasn't um, about, like, the Upside Down and all the all the crazy demon shit that comes out of there. That was just more of like, hey, we know Barb died, we know we were sort of responsible, and we covered it up. Yeah. I think that was pretty much what sealed it, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, and that that's what I took away. Which, I guess all that hashtag for justice for Barb stuff actually got 
uh, tied off in this season. Yeah, which uh, I guess like that was that was a way to get there. Um, although I I I guess I thought uh, again it's not necessarily bad. It 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 was just that like the the sort of public reaction to season one and especially. Barb's character and the like the the unanswered questions and and all that i i guess i i i again thought that some of those loose ends would have driven some of the plot more in the second season than it did yeah. um the uh, uh, whereas it you know i don't want to say it was like an afterthought but it was it was able to be tied up but it didn't really factor into the course of events okay um, I feel like I kind of want to bring us back around because I feel like we started talking about this and then we got sidetracked, but <laughs> looping back around to that seventh episode that seemed sort of out of place, where did you guys fall on that? Did you like that episode? Did you not like that episode? Because the internet seemed to love or hate that episode. I didn't think there was too much in between there. Because I feel like, uh. sort of like what we talked earlier, I think it served a purpose for Eleven. It was sort of the trigger that sends her back home to try to help her friends and stuff like that, but yeah. It, it Considering... also it also um uh, uh strengthens her. Yeah. It strengthens yeah, it powers her, her up so she can yeah, take the big thing out later. It, yeah, it, and it also I think it it helps strengthen her resolve. Oh, that's true. Yeah. In character um it 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 definitely I thought helped build her character into a little bit more of a badass than she already was. Yeah. Uh I think for like again, I I for me, I guess I can see the purpose of it and what it was there for, but considering the build up to the episode prior to that, and then like you get sidetracked for an hour with somewhere else that you had no intention of wanting to go, that I think is yeah. what threw me. Okay, yeah, I I, I now that you, since you characterize it that way, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it was more of like a pacing interruption than anything else. Right. Because that was where, right before that episode, is like, the hole opens up underneath the building. The, the the army of demigod things are climbing up the walls. And you're seeing Hopper there looking at the hole, seeing all this shit come out. And you're like, oh man, shit's gonna go down. Start that next episode. Why are we in Chicago? <laughs> what is this? They're, they're doing a heist of some kind? Or yeah. they're doing, like, they're sir... That was the thing. I think, like, the... the it, in the in the end, there was something that Eleven got out of it that she was then able to take forward to reintegrate into the rest of the story, but the purpose that the rest of them collectively were serving was like you understood why, but it didn't really have anything to do with what else was going on. Yeah, and I think I think you nailed it with the comment of of pacing. I think it it just felt out of place with the pace of what that was building towards. Because I agree, I think it served a purpose. It served, a, it had a purpose that needed to be done for Eleven's character and for her arc. And you know, you look at the flip side though. I don't even know if that episode could have been done earlier in the season or somewhere else. Like it almost seems like it had to fall there, but it just didn't. It it still messed up. I don't know how I felt about viewing the order, viewing the episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like took the wind out of you when you went to the next one, and the pace just because even. It, it like it, again the prior episode builds and builds and builds and then you go to that one and it just 
dies and the pace slows down and then we come back right after the next one or to the next one and then it ramps back up again and you're in the final two episodes and those are the ones i had to just keep keep watching yeah oh you you know what it just made me realize when like the the comments earlier about how like like netflix shows amazon shows hulu original content they, they they're produced in a way that is supposed to just be a very long form story but it, it's it's one story from beginning to end it's just a very long movie right this felt episodic okay it's like you took an episode break uh the formula through season one and then all the rest of season two was you watch the hour and yes they technically call it the end of the episode and then you restart the next episode but if it's all one long you know, eight hour story, there was just this abrupt break in the eight hour story. The end of the end of episode six leaves off at a point where if it's supposed to be linear and it's just supposed to be the way that you're watching this straight through, you just stop and just go somewhere else for an hour. And then you come back, but it, 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 it just, it felt like I said, ep- episodic. Like if you saw something on TV, yeah, you know, and then oh, the next week they don't come back to that thing you left off on the week before. You'll get back to that next week, and it was just a departure from how the the storylines were typically presented so far. So I'm just thinking, as you were talking, like if I if I ever go back and rewatch the season at some mm-hmm. point, I wonder if, how much I would lose if I just skipped that episode. Right, like it, it it ramps up at six. You just jump to episode eight. Now, granted, you don't understand why Eleven decides to come back. She just kind of shows up. True. But I wonder if that would be a more badass entrance, even if you don't really know why she's there, character motivation wise. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I didn't think it was quite as segmented as 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 you guys were saying. I you were still on board with it after after all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought it. And that's I what I mean. It, like, there's certain people were, that really um, like it, and. It gave it us bothers some others. really key parts to her backstory. Um, it let her semi-connect with her actual mother. Um, introduced someone who you could actually say might be her uh, her peer. Um, which we've yet to meet until then. Well, right. besides like the beginning of the season. But... Um, I don't know. I, I I kind of enjoyed like the the sort of like a uh, a little bit of an hour break in uh, the other story arcs that were happening. Yeah, I guess I see it just more as a setup, like we sort of talked about earlier, more of a setup for season three and less of a bearing on season two. That's just, I guess, sort of how I take it. Yeah, and I also thought it helped build my anticipation for episode eight. Mm, okay. okay. Because you, you just like know you, she's gonna you come said, back and fuck some shit. Yeah, up. you said like <laughs> the dogs and stuff like that, and Hopper's like, "Oh fuck," you know, and, and, and Mike's like, "Yeah, you know, like the spy, the spy," and and then it goes to episode seven, and then you see her in the. Do you call? Would you call it the upside down when she goes into like the the dark room and she sees just like little bits and pieces of stuff? Is that? Yeah, I don't the know what down? that's called actually. 
I know that's it's, how it's, I feel like it's some sort of in between between the upside down and, and the real right. world. But, but, but I don't she, know what they refer she, to that but as. But she sees Hopper in trouble and she sees Mike like in right. trouble. And then like like that made my skin raise and then like the next episode started very shortly after that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm seeing this shit now. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean I, I thought it, it did a good job of because of, um, I mean I did the same thing. Like I'm, I'm kind of watching episode seven, and I'm like, why, why, why are we watching this right now? What, why are yeah. we in Chicago? Why are we doing this? But I thought it, it really did a good job of tying a little bow on it. And then at the end of the episode, they ripped that present open, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. So this is a question I had. I think even when we talked about season one, and maybe it, it we got sort of going that direction uh, in this season with eight. Uh, but since 11 is number 11 and we've met number eight, do you think we'll see more of these kids out there in the wild? I don't think it's going to be a thing where like you eventually collect them all, but it's like um, I think, yeah, right. Um, well, I mean, it's, I think part of the idea is that some of the children are probably dead or did die in the hospital. Right. Um, that was sort of my next question. Is I don't know if we're led to believe there's the only two that are left. Um, I doubt it, but I wouldn't be surprised if one or two more come about. I mean, if 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 they now like, I mean, it seemed to me that like eight was surprised to know that another person was still alive and survived right. and found her. Um, so yeah, maybe together, you know, they think, you know, who else is still out there, or one of them sense it you know who 11 is somehow able to tap into something and and form connection and find you know one or two <laughs> others somehow but I, I could see that happening yeah maybe they can make this big metal ball and have something that goes on her head and she can see other people who have the same <laughs> amount of powers that she has i'm sorry i, I, just, I, I yeah i, I keep she, going she might back to need the to X-Men. go into a special isolated room to do that though right. it would probably help her <laughs> to uh focus her no, energies i, I on just that. like i like uh joking about um the similarities that i keep seeing with the x-men <laughs> stuff you know and i don't and i don't well, think not, you're reading a, into that like no, i think it's, it's their own purpose yeah and it's not a bad thing because i mean like fucking love the x-men so um but, uh, what if we get that by the end? Like season five is just like, like gifted young Mike they're, in a wheelchair back, who lost hair. Dooring, they're they're back during a uh, live action like straight out X Men like nineties cartoon style <laughs> reboot. All right, so think off the top shave, of your head, uh, Paul Reiser's head and put him in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. Off the top of your head, out of the kids, which X Men are they? Well, I don't know if all the kids necessarily become them, but just through the introduction of various characters. So like, I don't I mean, know like, like just all your... spitballing for fun. Um, like if 11 is, is like Jean gray would the other, like Dustin, Mike Lucas, who could, who, which X-Men could they be? Let's see. I'm trying to think even just personality wise, like not even have powers, but just personality yeah. wise, what X-Men would they be? Uh, I think, uh, Daiquiri could, uh, maybe go for, uh, Gambit. Because you kind of want to like him, but he's kind of a dickhead, too. <laughs> well, that's Max's brother? Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't like him at all. I thought he was a dickhead the whole fucking time. <laughs> I didn't ever want to like him. Even the little bit of like, hey, he's been abused too. That didn't bring you around a little bit at all. Ah, I mean, a little bit, but I mean, he still has a choice. Yeah, he doesn't have to be like that. I I, I think Steve would end up being Cyclops. Oh, you think he's the de facto leader? Kind of. I mean, he's 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 older. He kind of takes on this leadership role. He's okay with it. He kind of, you know, he tries to be, you know, especially in this season, it was so strengthened. You know, he, he still tries to be the good guy. Like the, the number of times the poor dude's like, all right, I'm 17 or 18. I'm about to graduate from high school, but I'll drive the seventh grader to his homecoming dance Yeah, <laughs> on my own for no reason. Like I will just drive him there and be like his big brother support. Yeah. And I'll, I'll I'll take the beating from the af you know aforementioned dickhead because he's the dickhead character and that's what's gonna happen. Like he he just kind of walked into that and kind of accepted that was gonna happen. So yeah, I, I I think he would fit very well as a Cyclops. Fair enough. Yeah, I really liked uh, Steve and Dustin together. Right, that was a pairing yeah. I did not think would be could. I would never would have thought of that on my own. I, yeah. I mean, I remember reading uh, after season one uh, with Emily that uh, the Duffer brothers wanted to definitely put Hopper and Eleven together. So I was anticipating okay. that duo, but I did not anticipate, like uh, Josh just said, the the Steve and Dustin thing. And it that was a good pairing, so too, well. with Hopper and Eleven. I it, really yeah, like that dynamic, too. It was. The, the thing that I was disappointed with that is, like, I had such a high... Um, amount of respect for Hopper after season one and I felt like that he didn't do a good job of uh, <laughs> reassuring me about that for a lot of the season I mean he ends up coming back but uh, yeah like I, I kind of didn't like Hopper for a lot of this which is the same thing that happened to him last season I didn't really care for Hopper for a lot of season one either so so what kind of shook you for Hopper in this season this is treatment of like, 11 okay that don't go outside, you're going to kill everybody, you may get hurt, type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand why he did it. You know, he lost his daughter and whatnot, but um, it just, it just, he kept doing it. And, like, you could tell that he was like, ah, I shouldn't be, but he just kept doing it. And I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to get really overprotective for a child, but don't get overprotected for a child with superpowers. Yeah, but I mean, you don't want to piss her off. A lot of the time, though, I don't. I feel like he wasn't protecting her for her. He was protecting the secret. Um, because I feel of the, you know, the, upside, the mother, the upside down, and the, oh, okay. like the research laboratory, the laboratory, laboratory. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, I feel like he had some sort of, uh, whether it was written or verbal. Uh, agreement with them to not divulge any information or any kind of thing like that. Well, that so. was the whole thing in the end of season one. Him and um, Joyce get taken. They are being questioned. And next thing you know, they're outside. They're suiting up with radiation suits and they're going in the upside down to get Will. So what changed? And I think even at that point, once they get released and start going to the Upside Down, Hopper's telling, like, Joyce is questioning him, and he's saying, don't worry about it, we'll worry about it later, don't worry about it. Like, or he, he might even say, like, I made a deal with them or something. So it's alluded to in season one that he agreed to something 
to keep this to see. And he, I think he even says so in season two. Like, I agreed to keep your secret. None of this was going to happen again. And that's when he starts flipping out to Paul Reiser. That, like, you guys assured me this would not happen again. And here it is. Bigger and badder than ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I, can see that. Although I, I, I did take his protectionism much more for her. Um, that's, that's just how it hit me that while he might have his daughter issues and whatever arrangement he has in place with the facility, I think he knew if they could get their hands back on her, no matter what else was going on, they, they would have, and he didn't want her subjected to that. Well, you see what they try to do with Will. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, it, I mean, it, it is very... It's it's a thing that has been done to death, right? I need I need to protect you from yourself. You can't control these powers again, Jean Jean Grey and everything. But that, <laughs> and that's not the only time that you know kind of story has been told. But um, I I I thought that was a very believable reason for that character to want to keep her isolated because I don't think he knew like what can I possibly do with her except keep her out here and away from other people. Yeah. I, I, I think by the end of season one, like it was shown that she knows how to interact with people. She knows how to not hurt people intentionally if she doesn't want to. Um, you know, it's not like this thing that she literally can't stop from happening. Um, but other, like he, he even having the other kids know she's alive and that she's not in the upside down anymore that she exists and like she's okay just jeopardizes her safety yeah i I know it did create it created a situation that we're used to seeing right and sort of her rebellion against that was not you know the most surprising or original per se um it was definitely compelling the dynamic between the between those two work really well I mean, I really just want to see Hopper dance some more. That's <laughs> his little shimmy, man. He's got some moves. See, one of my favorite things that they did was actually in like episode three, like two or three or something, where wherever it was that they were, it wasn't necessarily even like a flashback because they, it was almost like a voice over, but at different times they were showing more of the backstory of like once he and her connected again in the woods and they like finally found each other of like going to the cabin, making it habitable, cleaning it up. Yeah. I really liked seeing that. And I'm glad they showed it to us in that way. Like I'm glad they didn't just do it linearly that like, Oh, from the beginning, eventually we'll show you that they run into each other and their story goes forward. I kind of like the fact that they were already together. Yeah. And while at the same time, I was going to ask, are you are you maybe sort of surprised that they brought Eleven back that quickly? Yes. Like I kind of thought, like, and that because yeah, I was I, I was thinking somewhere in the middle of the season she'd finally show back up, or they'd find a way to rescue her from wherever she went. Yeah, I I thought that the fact that she was in the uh, upside down itself was going to be a driving factor of the season two plot. Yeah. Like, how do we get her out? How do we make contact? How do we do a lot of these different things? And yeah, it's in like the first like 10 minutes. She's like, oh, look, there's a hole in the wall. I'm out. Yeah. I was like, oh, which okay. makes a little bit more <laughs> sense, I guess, for the end of season one when he drops off the egos in the drop box. Yeah. 
It's not like she's pulling them over from the other side. She's just in a cabin, like, in the woods somewhere that's going to come out and grab them herself and go back to the cabin. True. And I was a little disappointed just myself. They have this whole, like, montage of them, like, setting traps and, like, early warning systems for the cabin. That never and they rig up like the, Yeah, they rig up the bullet that's, like, going to get by the trip wire, and you see them make the cautious, conscious effort to step over that wire which never paid off later. Like, no one ever trips that wire, and that just kind of disappointed me. Shouldn't yeah. they have tripped that wire when um, they take Will there to heat out the demon? Uh, Probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So they would warn them. I was expecting yeah. either them to warn them about the tripwire or to see the tripwire get set off because of them taking Will there. That's true, too. I guess at that point in the season, because it was like four episodes ago or five episodes ago, they just expect you to forget about that. Yeah, and the other thing that I was confused about is we knew that Eleven and Hopper sort of quasi knew Morse code because they like they both had those like little cheat sheets and stuff. But how yeah. did Will know Morse code? Did they ever allude to Will knowing Morse code before he started tapping on the chair? I mean, I guess I just assumed it was something that those kids have used since they have their walkie-talkies that I just assumed maybe they've used Morse code before. Okay. That I guess that's my rationale in my head. I mean, you're forced to assume that, right? Yeah, because it's never explicitly spelled out. Right. So I guess they just let you infer that somewhere. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't have any other better theories as to where they could have learned that or why. I mean, considering how much like they they love the AV Club radio, and <laughs> and their walkie talkies, I'm just assuming that Morse code is, has to do with more of that type of communication. How awesome was it that uh, they they eventually um, go on to tell Bob's little backstory that he created the AV Club? Yeah, yeah, that was so awesome. You know, I was talking to a bunch of a, a couple of guys at work who who like Stranger Things as well. They're like, man, I couldn't stand Bob. He just thought they were that he was what? out of place, and I was like, I fucking love he Bob. Was, Bob yeah, was, he was awesome. The best. As, as as awkward as he was, you know, you could tell he still had the family Bob in the his brain, heart, man. In, in his heart. You know, like as dorky yeah. and like I'm a vampire, blah blah. You know, like he was he was <laughs> stereotypical he, like yeah, 80s he, dad. He had yeah. he had the best intentions with them. You know, yes, and he ended I, up being so badass especially like to his end which he just did. keep running just keep running <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that was the thing. like i i like that he he was able to be he was able to be brave but he didn't necessarily have to be heroic per se like it was it the turn that his character took at the end it wasn't like oh now we're gonna show you what it total cool guy he is and he's gonna go screw these demidogs up and it's gonna be amazing like no like he had to he had to summon nerve and courage and say i'm gonna go do this and i'm gonna do my best and in the end they got him but how awful you know like they, they didn't turn him into something that he was not the rest of the time you know it didn't like try to spin the character just to make him go out in a blaze of glory you know it just it would have it would have felt so weird how how horrible was that though he finally sees joyce again and he's, he's all happy and then 
you're like, no, dude, just run, run, run. Yep. And they get him. You're like, fuck. <laughs> fuck, Bob. Fuck. What about Bob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so, was I was sad because, yeah, by, by that point, I had come around to his character. I'm like, oh, yeah, he fits in really well. Like, again, like he he found his place. This this is this is where he belongs. This is the purpose he serves. And then you're like, OK, season three is going to be great. Ah, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I have two things I want to touch on. Uh, First, I'll start with Bob, since we're talking about Bob. Um, And I feel like I might have read this somewhere online, or somebody, one of my friends, friend of a friend type thing might have mentioned this to me, but the whole scene in the car with Bob and Will, when Will is confessing to Bob about his nightmare with this smoke monster demon thing, and Bob tells him the story about the clown and how the clown's chasing him. And one day he just stopped and stood up for himself and the clown went away. Did anyone get the sense at that point or think about it that uh, Bob could be a bad guy and wanted Will to get captured and possessed by the smoke monster? Like like Bob is almost like the spy. Did I think it at that point or do I think it after the season's over? At that point. Did that roll through anybody's mind when you're watching that scene? No. no. Because that seemed to be a sticking point with some people. It was like they they were hung up on Bob because at that point they thought Bob was a bad guy. Oh. And it wasn't until like he finally sacrificed himself that it's like, nope, he was never bad. He's a really good guy. I feel terrible now. No, nah, that never occurred to me. Never I occurred mean, to it, me. Just... I mean, I guess, I guess it's possible to think certain things because he's new to the group this time around. Right. He, he's very closely tied up with the family. Um, I I guess I could see why they might have those potential suspicions, but it just didn't hit. It did not hit me that way. Okay, yeah, uh, I, 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 I go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's what something I've seen online that didn't make sense to me, or I didn't really see it that way when I watched it. But I guess looking back, I could see that, and I just didn't know if that crossed anybody else's mind when you're watching it. The only thing I thought about that that car and the story about the clown and like just go away. Is that, you know, he's kind of trying to inherit a family. So he's going from not, a, he's trying to go from not a dad to a dad in a very short amount of time. So right. I think he's just trying to offer what he thinks is very good fatherly advice at that point. Yeah. And most but. of the time when you're talking to someone like that, you are just referring to a dream and not an actual smoke monster that could possess you. Right. At that point, Bob had no idea that upside down and any of that all the other jazz yeah. or anything. He's in way over his head and he doesn't realize it. So, yeah, given the context, he knew exactly. He tried to help out. Yeah. Um, the other I, thing I want to point out, and the more that we talked about it, demi dogs are what the the Ghostbusters are called, right? The the demi dogs and Ghostbusters, the like the for Gozer. Isn't that what they are? Isn't that what they're referred to? Are they ever called by name? If they are, it's probably by by Venkman. Yeah, I can't remember if they actually say that. Like that's what they call them in the movie, but I think that's what they're referred to. And just thinking of the overtly Ghostbusters references in that one episode, one of the earlier episodes, the fact that now Dustin is insisting that these things are called demigods or demigod demi can't say it demi dogs. <laughs> Um, it, it just now just for whatever reason clicked in my head that that could be another Ghostbuster reference that they've sprinkled in over the course of the show. Yeah, it would have fit because they, in the timeline of the movie, they 
like would have just seen Ghostbusters. Like I think it came out the year that season two is set. Yeah, it came out in eighty four, and that was when season two is set. Yeah, so it's like that summer. So well, I that, just, would, that would make sense. I just googled dogs from Ghostbusters, and <laughs> the the Ghostbusters wikia is saying they're called terror dogs. Well, that's okay. not as clever. That's not as clever. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty generic, actually. Oh no! Wait, now so I try to Google it too, and then I get demi dogs for Ghostbusters wiki. Someone probably the updated the Ghostbusters wiki after Stranger Things <laughs> came out. Oh, um, this is from wait the Extreme Ghostbusters. Oh well, so it's not the that's not the movies. This is from the, the weird cartoon that they did. No, now that I'm looking at a bunch of the other type of things, I'm seeing both terror dogs and demon dogs. All right, so I'm half right. Yeah, I'll um, take it. Did uh, did anyone hear the one? theory i don't i don't see any way that it's it was true but maybe they were going for like another little easter egg um that going back to bob's clown story if the if the movie takes place in 84 and you de-age bob about 27 years depending on how old he's supposed to be in the story he's telling that would put him roughly at the point in history in the like late 50s where the first uh chapter of Stephen King's it takes place I mean I would assume if he's having nightmares about a clown I just assumed it was it um but like they I guess they were almost you know maybe just like a little fun easter egg like maybe he was one of the kids from the original timeline of 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 it and obviously like none of the kids in that story have the fate as adults that he did because there is a second half to it where they are adults yeah um but you know maybe he you know the uh, kind of just like a, a fun sprinkle where like hey maybe he was in the town where you know that took place or something i don't know if that was intentional or not but so I saw that on the internet, and the, the the timeline does kind of place it right around the time in the late 50s where the first part of that is set in the book. I just thought that was fun. Did you uh, did you catch the Goonies reference that he gets? Yeah, oh, what was it? I, I did, and I can't remember what it was. Where they lay out, like, all the map that Will is drawing, and they, they draw an X at one point, or come to an X, and he goes, Oh, what's down there? Buried treasure? Yes! Yes, that was awesome. That so, was yeah. They're they're giving was, him his his own little Easter eggs. That was almost as good. In um, Sarah and I are catching up on the second half of season three of the Flash. So the stuff that okay. aired this past spring, and there the 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 Gorilla City um, episode. There's a, like a one line throwaway joke where Tom Felton makes a like city of apes or planet of apes oh, joke right, right and he was in rise of the rise, planet of the apes yeah. so yeah it was almost as good i love those callbacks like that That's, yeah those are fun yeah um do we think i know this was a theory rolling around on the internet too the the slug that we see will cough up at the end of season one you think that's dart yes but then I'm kind of confused as to why it 
took that thing so long to grow to the small like it doesn't advance all that much in like almost a year yeah he just needed nougat that was that was the missing ingredient yeah apparently <laughs> which oh oh um did anybody pick up on the fact that at the end when all the other uh demi dogs are racing back to the core to like try to stop eleven from closing the breach and then you know once she does and they like they all fall down dead that dart is still in the tunnel and like he like he, you know he he dies by the like, close by the three musketeers like he didn't go yeah yeah he sat there and ate all his candy bars I guess so. Or maybe, like, in the end, he was like, well, yeah, I had my candy and I had my friend, whatever, you know, else is going on. I'm sure everyone else got it. It's not that important. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that I want to touch on. Uh, The only other thing that I would want to talk about is um, closing the gate. Okay. How awesome was that scene <laughs> with hopper and the shotgun and the dogs trying to jump off the walls and go get them in the elevator yeah and then yeah for then a, 11, the climax of the season i thought that was yeah pretty and then 11 cool. trying to close it and eventually she just she uses both hands and she, she levitates off of the ground holy fuck i think every hair on my <laughs> head and my body were just like Bing! you know like this is awesome and i like they sold it well because even hopper looks surprised he looks oh, concerned yeah you know it he doesn't just take uh, even after everything he's seen in this real world that he otherwise knew like all this fantastical stuff even he doesn't consider that normal he doesn't consider that acceptable like that is still exceptional to him he sold it really well yeah yeah um the other thing i wanted to talk about would be the snowball Oh, the dance. Yeah. Or the ice oh. ball. What did they call it? I didn't even I, remember I, the fact that you <laughs> remembered even that. You you win. <laughs> um, poor Dustin. Like, none of the girls would want to dance with him and stuff. I thought that was really awesome of uh, Mike's sister to, yeah. to sort of do the whole, um, uh, what would you call it? Wedding singer, I guess, you know, where he kind yeah, of gets through very yeah, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, yeah. the, the, the chubby kid who can't get another girl dancing. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. The, yeah, she's like, oh, I'm the upperclassman. I'm here volunteering for the and, younger kids and, for their cute little homecoming. Yeah, and you're kind of led to believe that she's sort of like the hot girl. Yeah. In her class, too, you know? So the fact that, you know, this nerdy like underclass and is dancing with this like a hot girl senior like probably just put him up at least a few pegs <laughs> yeah well and plus you know the idea i mean you know, th- think back to when you know we were 12 13 14 how it, it was so rare that at least in my school that anybody knew a large percentage of people who were several grades ahead of them right so even yeah i mean even if you know, Nancy just looks like moderately normal, even, you know, even if she's not exuding yeah, uh, an aura of like, I'm the popular the, yeah. hot girl my age, like all the younger 
girls obviously like clue in like oh my god like dustin got her good lord (laughs) (laughs) but i i did i did admire how i know it kind of broke down afterward you can only take so much but how undeterred he was at first where he's just like all right you guys gonna be dancing that's fine watch me do my thing (laughs) (laughs) he had that farrah fawcett hair Oh, I love that crap. <laughs> I was gonna say I love that he took Steve's advice and got that that got that stuff. <laughs> and I so also, slicked back. I also thought it was cool that um uh one of the girls actually liked Zombie Boy and, and Yeah Will yeah. Will got a little bit of action there. It was pretty cool. I and I really herself. liked uh um uh, Lucas and Max hooking up. Yeah. Yeah. The, the little kids are growing up. And of course, you know, like, the main event there would definitely be Mike and Eleven. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if everybody sticks together in season three. Especially if it, like, jumps forward a couple years. We'll see how those relationships are. I think it'll be weird, especially given her history. If if the, If they try to continue the relationship of Mike and Eleven as if, like, they're just your everyday regular boyfriend girlfriend and i just like eleven's character in her history without there being like a certain level of awkwardness about it like it it would you would have to skew it in a way because if they just tried to normalize it and and make eleven too normal i i don't think it would fit yeah i guess i could see that of course, I don't know what the solution is, but yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, speaking of just interactions like that, I was dying in the scene where Dakri is going around everywhere looking for Max that night, and he ends up at Mike's house <laughs> with his mom getting out of the tub with the robe. That was not to mention hilarious. she's reading that trashy novel. In in tub in the tub, yeah. And then when she gets out, and the trashy novel guy is at her front doorstep, <laughs> pretty much. And she just like one hundred percent just had that total cougar aura about her, <laughs> where she's like, "Well, I have these teenage kids, but I'm probably realistically like only in like my late thirties, so it's like, oh, uh, it just." I thought it was so funny, and he played uh, he played that. So well. Yeah. Seductively eating some cookies. Oh yeah. <laughs> that 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 dude has really good timing. He he know, yeah. he knows how to stretch a moment. He knows how to deliver a line the way it needs to be in certain scenes. Um I'm not sure like other than Power Rangers what he kinda has on his docket coming up the next couple years, but I'll I'll be interested to see what else he does. Yeah. As much as I thought that his character was not necessarily necessary, I did think he did a, a pretty good job of playing the character. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was my surprise. Is like by the end, like with Steve, you said in, in season one, Steve had an arc. Her Max's brother didn't really have an arc. No, yeah, I don't think he was. Just I think there. they probably want to bring him back. Like I'm sure they might use him again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they can't have another Steve, so they still have to no. make him an asshole so that he's yeah. there. It just it, it was weird to me that all of these new characters 
um, all sort of came across um, the occult. I don't know what else to call it. Um, or the supernatural stuff that was going on in Hawkins. Okay. But okay. him. He yeah. never actually crossed anything supernatural. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's something they can play with in season three, like that's, how something, like how that realization could affect that's him. That's kind of I'm wondering if they're gonna play it out. I wonder if he'll be another Steve character where he actually ends up being like you know, cool with Max and helping her out and stuff. Like yeah, that. but at the same time, I feel like you can't keep introducing assholes and then having them <laughs> turn around and be good guys by the end of the season like that. Then you you set the bar for yourself. I feel like they gotta change it up at some point. Yeah, we still have that doctor fucker running around. <laughs> that's, that's true, Doctor um, Fucker. Well, uh, <laughs> I hope that's what his name tag says. Yeah, change it right now. <laughs> Hello, my name is Doctor Fucker. <laughs> it's not that like you have to say fucker real menacing. Doctor Fucker. fucker. <laughs> um. Well, also could like consider what you mentioned earlier that if the next season is going to be a time jump to some degree. Steve, at least, I believe, is a senior in high school, and I took it that he probably was too. Max's so brother. They'll be, uh, yeah, they'll be college. Well, um, I don't, I, I don't know if he's going to college, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, they, you're kind of led to believe that they're both, you know, what the top athletes in the school. Kind of got that impression, right? Yeah, so. Well, I guess the like the impression I'm getting is Steve is, might be trying to get into college based on merit and smarts and grades and stuff like that. Where Billy is just like, yeah, I'm the best at everything. I can see him getting in with sports, right? Yeah, but like if that's going to be the dynamic, how easy is it going to be to utilize those characters then, and how realistic would it be to like conveniently have them like going to college in like. Is there a college in the town somewhere nearby? Are they commuting? You know, it might not be as easy to utilize them. Yeah. Might be cameos and guest spots. Yeah. Um, all right. Sort of just to wrap up, uh, let's just go over maybe a couple of your favorite moments that you haven't talked about from season two. Because I think I have a couple we haven't touched on that I just want to at least rapid fire mention. I didn't remember it when Josh uh, asked about the uh, the joke. Uh, until I mentioned the ferret faucet hair, but when uh, Dustin and Steve are talking on the train tracks, um, and uh, <laughs> uh, Steve does actually let him know how he gets his awesome hair, I thought that was I, that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> He's very adamant with how many puffs it takes, or yeah, or yeah, and, and not like that. tell it's, anybody. It's gotta be damp, <laughs> damp hair, and not Dustin, wet, yeah. damp. <laughs> And Dustin's like, Farrah Foss? And he's like, I, I swear to God, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I love that he's also threatening a kid who's, like, four or five grades below him as right. if there would be any major impact on his reputation. <laughs> uh, I was actually looking at my little list of, like, what I wrote down of favorite moments, and actually most of them we touched on, except uh, the one that we didn't, which I just thought was a really cool moment, and it's... Sort of like Andy said, it's one of those moments where, like, it just makes the hair stand up, where Joyce gets her hands on the video camera that they took trick-or-treating. Okay. And she pauses it and sees the outline of the smoke monster yeah, yeah. on the tape. Like, shit like that. Like, that's really creative storytelling-wise and stuff like that. And I 
that brought me back to like the whole like the lighting of the the Christmas lights in season one, mm-hmm. like that type of moment for me. Yeah, so I really like that. It, it seems like every se- well, so far every season the um, that household has had shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whether it's drawings of tunnels or Christmas tree lights. Yeah, they need a new base of operations. That buy the uh, <laughs> the, buyers, the buyer household. Yeah. Cause they even have a that one of those. Uh, I think Eleven throws one of those demi dog things through the window, doesn't she? Yep. Yeah, she does. So the, the front of that house there. gets fucked up again. Yeah, that's how that's how she re-enters when she comes back from Chicago. That's right. Yeah. And that's you know the, yeah thinking of it that way. If you cut out episode seven and she just shows up at that point by throwing one of those things through the window, that's a pretty badass way to come in. <laughs> uh, any other favorite moments for you guys? Anything we haven't touched on? Not in general. I I'd say I really enjoyed a lot of the uh, oh oh the one sequence where like right after Steve and Dustin do walk the train tracks, laying out you know the meat breadcrumbs, and then they end up back at the junkyard. the uh, The whole scene of them like fortifying the bus and Steve giving the two of them crap. He's like. What are you guys doing over here? The only one helping me here is that random girl. <laughs> he's like, he hasn't been introduced to her. He doesn't know why she's there, or who she is, but like, she's doing more work than the two of them pissing and moaning about their their friendship and the girl and everything else. Yeah. Speaking of those two, uh, do you guys anticipate more? Um, I wouldn't say animosity, but uh, difficulties between uh, Dustin, Max, and Lucas. As far as like, oh, we both like Max. No, Honestly, I feel like I they put not. that to bed. Yeah, I, I feel like they wrapped it up pretty good in the season. That I don't know if that's going to be an issue going forward. The only the only way I can see that being an issue is if Max changes her mind. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the two, I think Lucas and Dustin are cool with the way things happen. But if Max suddenly is like, I don't like Lucas anymore. I like Dustin. Then I could see that being an issue with the two of them. But I feel like that would take away from her character if suddenly she has a change of heart for no reason. Well, I guess if they gave a reason, I guess we'll see. But <laughs> I'm hoping they don't do that. I, I think there's better ways to use that dynamic. Yeah, I don't know if... I, I mean, I guess even speaking more in general, I don't know if... They, they would have to be careful and, and write it very write it very carefully what types of things could come between the friends, the types of things that could really get under each other's skin. Cause I'll be honest, here's something that always bothered me about a lot of stories that people write where supernatural or fantastical things happen. The characters typically go through the first iteration so you get through book one or season one or the first movie. And then in the next chapter, the third chapter, the fourth, however far it goes. After after all this crap that they've seen that is not normal, like the rest of the world does not accept these things. They don't know what happens. And to anybody else, you know, this this would be. You know, uh, it's it just so far out there and it, it, like apocalyptic and all like this just crazy stuff. 
but somehow the characters are still bothered by everyday stuff. Yeah. That really bothers me. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, it, it feels like you could absolutely write characters that recognize that some of the typical things that people who aren't going through this kind of stuff, like, it wouldn't be that important to them anymore. Yeah. I, don't know, I think the fact uh, that they do go through that kind of stuff kind of humanizes them a little bit more, though. I, I think, I, I, true, but I think it, I think I've seen it so often that I would, I would, first of all, I would just like to see it happen not once. Just not happen once so that I could maybe see the contrast and how that makes me feel about the characters and how, how it hits me. But I, at least for me, I don't, I don't think it, anything takes away from their humanization or their humanity um because they because my the way that i'm viewing their humanity is only through my own experiences and my own prism because i haven't been through the upside down and the demogorgons and all of that but they have and so their definition of what regular humanity and humanization is is going to be different like the paradigm should have shifted and sometimes when it seems like it hasn't, I'm like, how it, 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 it gets difficult for me to believe sometimes that what seems like more petty crap can still be that important to characters who have experienced such dramatic things. I guess, I guess I see both sides. Like I see what you're saying, but I also see what Andy's saying where even like after all that shit, all anybody wants to do is get back to a quote unquote normal life. When you get back there, I feel like that's when you get run into all those normal shitty problems that everybody has all the time. So it just, I, I don't know if it would if you could return to normal and still be, I don't, I don't know, like used to it or like I understand what you're saying. That where at least, you know they, this should be small potatoes compared to what they have experienced before, and should maybe give them a different perspective on that kind of stuff. But. If everybody just kind of wants to get back to way their to the way their life was after that. It's not like anybody wants to live in terror the whole time. So I when you finally get back to what life was, then you start running into stupid problems the same as before. Fair enough. Um, anything else? Because I think that's pretty much where I'm at. I think we covered pretty well. I think I think we all agree that season one and two are fairly similar as far as uh. Good quality, goodness quality. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're both very, very much um, marathonable. Yeah. Yes. Because I, yes. I was trying to think like which season I like better, and I don't think I can really choose. I think they're both, both. Uh, it's a pretty close tie between the two of them, so I'm not even going to try to pick. No, that's yeah. a marathon. I would run. <laughs> 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 and on that note. <laughs> We got. I think. I think we should start making uh, apparel or t-shirts or something. Maybe mugs branded with "Bright Guy and His Super Friends," and that could be one of our one one of our best known taglines appearing on some of the, on some of the merch. That's a marathon I could run. Dot 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 from my couch. <laughs> so is the is the from my couch part on the back of the shirt or just on the lower of the front? Either or. <laughs> Fair enough. I think, well, yeah. We'll I, just plaster I think, Andy's face on the front. I, yeah, Give him the yeah. thumbs up. <laughs> I think you do, that's a marathon I could run on the front, dot, dot, dot. So then you're like, oh, what's on the back? How does this finish? From my couch. 
<laughs> and the front of the shirt is like him looking like he's ready to run, like real motivated. And then when you look at the back, he's just like passed out on the couch. <laughs> it's like, it's like that shot they always sort of show where like the person is sitting like in their couch. They're like showing the shot from like the side back view of the TV to the person on their couch. Apparently, like everyone watches TV in the pitch black darkness. <laughs> and you just have the illumination of the TV light on the person as they're on the couch, like holding the remote up. Yeah, I can see that. It's it. It looks. It's a very good visual. I got. I got it. <laughs> all right, calling all artist friends, <laughs> viewer, listeners of the show. We we need your help. You got to go to work. We will. We will charge you a whole nothing. So there's a lot of that going around. There's there's uh there there's t-shirt and paraphernalia profits to be split yeah uh all right so i think that's where we're gonna wrap up stranger things season two um i think the we have we have a vague plan i think going forward at least for the next two episodes so we'll hopefully be able to stick to this uh i think we talked about it maybe two weeks ago we we're sort of teasing it next week we're gonna try to get to our top 10 most anticipated movies of 2018 um that we'll record it probably right before star wars so it'll probably be uploaded the weekend that the last Jedi comes out. Um, I don't know about Josh and Andy, but I plan on seeing star Wars opening night. So I'll be out of the way with that and probably sit a couple more times over the weekend, but I figure we'll at least give the weekend for people to see it. Um, so after our top 10 most anticipated for next year, the next episode after that will probably be for the last Jedi, which I'm expecting, uh, should be a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And after that, I think that would put us probably the week between Christmas and New Year's, so we'll probably take a break off that. I'm not planning anything that week, as of right now, unless something crazy happens or something's really newsworthy to talk about. But between the holidays, I feel like there's just too much going on that it's just easier to just take a break and chill. Maybe you will need Plus, two for The Last Jedi. Well, that's the other thing, too, is I'm trying to save space for the most anticipated in The Last Jedi, because I expect those episodes to be long. So... And it, Star Wars episodes are, are usually... We never have a shortage of things to talk about on a Star Wars episode, so... <laughs> I, I expect that one to be large. That's what she said. Uh, for... <laughs> that that should, yeah, give you a general sense of what's coming. We'll hopefully be able to stick to that. If any changes happen, I will update on the Facebook page. Um, but I guess until then, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please stop by iTunes. You can leave us a five-star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite our show wherever you decide to listen. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and Super Friends or go to Facebook.com slash Friends. And you can send us comments, questions, topic suggestions, all that stuff there. You can email us, Friends at gmail.com or at Friends on Twitter. Any of that will work. And we accept all submissions. On behalf of Andy, Josh, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Arg. <laughs> he brings it back.